0: Hey there. Thank you for checking in to the tail chase podcast. This go round, Graham and I sit down and talk about some awesome flights that we shared together at the time of this recording. And then we get into a listener request for an episode on permissions, what it takes to acquire new permissions, maintaining those permissions, as well as e scouting. Hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Well, that was fun today. That was, you know. Yeah, let uh, We should that, do it. I've little... never met Tucker.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the uh, first time I met him as well. He, he's lived within like an hour, a little over an hour, um, from me for the entire time that I've lived here. Really? And yeah, yeah. Had no idea that uh, that he uh, lived that close or even existed, which. In part is because he actually lives on the Kansas side Oh yeah yeah And so That may be a reason why I didn't mm-hmm. know about him But yeah I, th- I thought I knew everybody down in the southwest corner of the state At least for the most part And uh, lo and behold mm-hmm.
1: Yeah we've uh, talked on the phone a few times But this is actually my first time meeting him in person Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy Yeah. Makes
0: a bitchin' hood
1: He does make nice hoods Yeah I like the I like his color scheme and the design. Yeah, um, and and the, the quality of them too seems to be very very nice. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. he uh he came up to uh to see the pinnacle of Falconry with the peregrine fly and uh <laughs> Graham came down today too to to fly yeah, my I
1: mean it was warm and windy, like
0: Yeah, but that was not like it wasn't like, oh man, she really screwed up today. It was like yeah, like that's her yeah
1: sometimes anyway she like i said she does better Well, and it's so i've seen her fly pretty well you know and it is man that's frustrating and it would have been fine it would have been
0: fine if she would have stayed i would have flushed and been perfectly fine if she would have stayed at 150 175 feet whatever she was at and gone either dead overhead or upwind yeah but just as i'm getting ready to flush you know mallards on uh little pawns like a dozen of them are you know, eight or 10, something like that. She tries to catch one off the water. Yeah. It's like, okay, how many times have we done this? Yeah. How many times have you even put a foot on a duck that was sitting on the water that you've tried to scoop? Mm -hmm. The answer is zero folks. Yeah. And so she she tried it. And then of course, as soon as she's out of position, the ducks flush into the wind Yeah, and she, can't you know either doesn't have the gas or the will or you know was, whatever she didn't have a, a chance. She was far enough downwind
1: that they were they were gone. Yeah, well, I'm, oh, I get I get frustrated with my prairie because she'll go up and you know go stupid stuff, and then you know be sitting on a pole waiting for me to come pick her up, and it's like, I mean actually she's working me. Is what's going on? <laughs> you know. Yeah, but but at least you have intermix with awesome flights yeah like at the
0: best i'm still doing mediocre falconry over here and so it's like when it when it goes from mediocre to terrible <laughs> it's like yeah it's not much of a fall but it's enough where it. <laughs> it frustrates me
1: yeah well it just what i was getting at though i did is just it's frustrating that you can show them so much success and they'll still like go try to do their own thing or you know yeah. uh, just go sit or go fly off or whatever yeah. you know and it's like we have done this 20, 30 times and at least 50% of the time you've been successful which I bet is higher than your success rate on your own right and that's still like get with the program like why don't you just go out go up and I'll flush like I flush every time you know yeah
0: but hey she did it right tonight and it was pretty spectacular
1: the prairie oh yeah yeah Yeah, it was a good flight yeah it's kind of unorthodox a little bit in that there were ducks kind of like leaving early and like I've never like had her stooping on her way and then flush ducks like being like no wait she while she's stooping. Yeah. You know, and then like, okay, now let's flush.
0: Yeah. And it it worked out really well. So it's a little, uh, uh like, wet spot out in a field. And it's a pond about half the year if it stays wet. But, like, this summer it was totally dry. Yeah. And so it's pretty shallow. Right. But birds seem to like it. It's kind of in a secluded spot. And because it's not, like, a stock tank... Mm-hmm. like a, that a lot of the ponds that I fly around here, it doesn't have a dam. And so it's in a bowl. Yeah. And I feel like they they feel pretty safe because nothing can sneak up on them. And so, uh, it, it, like I said, it's a spot that typically does hold ducks this time of year. And it was, interestingly enough, it was one of my first slips to thaw out this week.
1: You think that's because of the groundwater? It's, it's not like running water, but it's water that's, Running through the ground to a spot. Yeah, I I don't know because I uh, most of my ponds up north are frozen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I caught that pintail the other day, mm-hmm. same deal. It was just a wet spot in a field, but it was open and it was the only open water around.
0: Yeah, I don't you know. I don't know why. Yeah. but
1: it's it's real shallow,
0: and so when they flush, they typically flush clean. Yeah, and there's it's at least. I don't know, what did you say, 150 yards to the next pond, probably. Yeah. And that one's pretty small, so right. a lot of times they won't even try to put in there if the falcon's close because they they can't get stopped in time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, your bird went up. What was she at, like 800 feet? When they flushed, she was 800, yeah. Yeah. So, she, yeah, I guess just describe exactly what was happening so we pulled up and there was a mix of canadas and mallards on this uh, this pond and then as we were getting ready to put her up a bunch of canadas came in to land like a couple hundred probably and so you put her up with them still a good ways away she went downwind climbed up and then started coming over as the like these geese were coming in trying to land and as she was still a hundred yards or more downwind, some of the mallards look like, I don't know if they, I don't think they got nervous as much as they saw those Canada's land out in the field and probably wanted to go out and feed in the, in the grass. Mm-hmm. And they just, cause they, they got up off the pond like four or five of them, but they weren't like looking like to leave. They, right. were, they were like flitting and like, keeping their wings cupped a little bit to, to go out and land in the field. Right. And when that happened, she started to come down, mm-hmm. but they landed out in the, in amongst the canadas, and she kind of looked like she pulled back up, but mm-hmm. was still coming, cooking mm-hmm. into the wind. And then once she was, you know, just barely slightly downwind of the pond, almost pretty much dead overhead of where we were, which was downwind of the pond. Yeah. You guys went in and flushed while I filmed and, uh, she just absolutely smoked one, maybe even hit two of them. We weren't really sure. Yeah. I don't
1: don't know if just, you know, her cutting through the flock, uh, made it look like she went through two birds, but I thought that she hit one and, and it didn't go down. I was like, what, come on, you know? Mm -hmm. And then she cut through the rest of the flock and hit one in the bottom of the flock. And I saw that one go cartwheeling down. That's awesome. Um, and then she whipped around. She turns around really fast when yeah. she knocks him down, which I think I don't see that as much with Chamber Raised Birds. Um, it seems to be, and especially a Passage Prairie, yeah, thing like that is their M.O. is to discombobulate something by hitting it so hard and then nail it while it's still out of it on the sure. ground. You know, she's she's good at it, and it was it was
0: pretty awesome to watch. Yeah big
1: beautiful drake mallard Mm -hmm. like breeding plumage and everything that's
0: that is one of the awesome things about flying this time of year Mm -hmm. that you don't get with regular waterfowl hunting is you're getting like full breeding plumage ducks most of them there are some that are still coming in like the shovelers we saw today weren't quite there yet but Mm -hmm. they're really close and so like just the colors and it's it's spectacular
1: I, i love catching them yeah, and the pintail that she caught the other day. Yes, yeah, so I, I haven't I haven't heard about that flight. So I tell didn't me tell you that. about it. Uh uh-uh, uh. No. Oh man. Okay. Um, so I thought that there were some mallards on this. I don't, is sheet water the right term? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So there was some sheet water wet spot in a field with some geese around it, and then I thought, oh, I bet that water might have ducks on it if if there's ducks around, they're gonna be right there. So sure enough, there were ducks. Then, um, long story short, I decided that's where I was going to fly. So I put her up, and it was pretty windy with the wind out of the north. And I was approaching the pond from the south, so from downwind. And she got blown, I don't know, about a mile downwind is what she usually does. And so she'll climb to about mm, 400 feet, and then she'll usually start heading back. And then... A lot of times, by the time she's back, she's either at 1,000 or maybe a little better, like 1,200 and some change. Um, But, and that's what she did on this one, but it was was a stiff wind. And, like, she was chugging along, you know, over 1,200 feet on the way back, but, like, pretty slow going. And so I'm, I, it had been, I don't know, it had been a while since we'd like gotten a good duck slip. Uh, we've been flying chickens lately and traveling and she never flies as well when we travel. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't have a lot of faith that like she was just going to do like her old thing and go downwind and go high and come back and flush the ducks and dead duck. Sure. So I like was kind of slow and walking towards the pond like reluctant to leave the truck and, uh, and that ended up kind of costing us pitch I think because she like got pretty you know like within range within killing range if she's at 1200 feet and I still had like two or 300 yards to walk Mm. so um then I kind of picked up the pace and she came down a little bit uh and and when she started coming down she was like 2000 feet away but 1,200 feet high, and then she dropped down to, like, the high 700s. And so, you know, when she's coming like that, she's coming a lot faster than when she's pumping Mm -hmm. into the wind. So it's like, okay, I should be heading towards the pond now. Oh, crap, she's here. You know, she's back. So she was, like, 790-something, and then I decided to just not... Rush, You know, I didn't want to reward that behavior, the right. coming down. So I just, like, decided to just walk at a regular pace towards the pond. And they could see me coming from a long ways. And all that was left on there was three geese and three pintails, or three ducks, to my knowledge at that point. I didn't know what they were. Mm-hmm. And um so she was seven. Um And then luckily, and this is something that's happened several times with this bird, Um, she actually started to climb again. And so she got up above 800 feet somewhere. And um, there's been a number of times throughout her career where um, she's had the choice to not do the right thing or to do the right thing. And I've just lucked out and she just has the right attitude and does what I want her to do. You know, where like some birds would just set their wings and start slowly coming down because they're like, you're going to flush any second now. Yeah. You know, and and me in the moment probably would have given in and flushed even if she was at like 500 feet. But uh, just by luck, she's like, no, I'm going to climb a little bit more, you know. And like I didn't teach her to do that. She just does it. And um, so she got up above eight. And the ducks and geese couldn't take it anymore, so they busted. And these three ducks take off into the wind, and she stoops crosswind. She was upwind and a little crosswind from them. And she stoops, comes in behind them. I don't think she hit them very hard, if at all, on the first pass. And then she threw up and whipped around. And one of the ducks tried to double back to this, you know, I mean, it's just like someone hawked a loogie on the ground like it's nothing um and probably less than a foot deep yeah but it's trying to make it back to that and she just drubbed it Mm. and uh you know knocked it down and then grabbed it went in on it on the ground and when i got up there oh and when it was when she hit it it had turned and was profiled to me and i was like holy crap that's a pintail you know yeah and uh, so I get up there, and I'm like, I'll be darned if this isn't a Drake, you know? hmm And I get up there, and sure enough, I see that big, long, white, and brown neck. Yeah. And they're beautiful ducks. I've never actually been a huge fan of, like, pintails. I think they're neat, but I think they're kind of funny-looking as a duck. Hmm. But I also like canvas backs. That's my favorite duck, and they're really funny-looking. Gosh, gotcha. Well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, I know. But... Um, having one in my hand though, it was like, man, this thing is just freaking elegant. Yeah. You know, that long, long sprig. And they just look, they remind me of like a, like an old school wooden boat, like a slender, elegant, beautiful, yeah. handcrafted boat. Sure. And then they got some subtle beauty to them as well because like they're not just brown and white like the head that brown actually has a purple iridescence to it that you don't see until you're like have them in hand i love the feathers where the
0: body meets the wing as well Mm -hmm. and the the lines on Mm -hmm. those are really pretty yeah and it's like they don't have the same, like bright colors that a mallard has, you yeah. Know, they're not a Mallard's gaudy. got like the bright blue on the speculum, the bright green on the head, the really orange feet. You know, it's they're they're
1: more earth tones. A pintail is in my mind, apart from being so unique shaped, they're kind of like the prairie falcon of ducks. So that's what I was subtle say. beauty, yeah, yeah. It's like one Which of the to things to me is a lo- means a lot, yes. Yeah, agreed. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thought. No,
0: no, you're good. So we should get into uh, what this episode is about. Uh, Um, We we had a listener that uh, reached out to us about uh, doing an episode on permissions. mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a big part of flying in this part of the country is we have some public land available, but, but not near enough. And usually proximity is also an issue with having a job and doing falconry is finding
1: places to fly. Yeah, and and you're sharing it with other people, which, like, I'm all about that, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you you can't fly your bird where someone might be pushing pheasants and right. blasting them, you know. Right. or uh, And then a lot of times driving is prohibited, you know. So yeah. if you were to hike out in the middle of a piece of property... And then your bird takes off. You better be in good shape, buddy, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going man. for a run. <laughs> mhm. So yeah. it's well, it's not it's, real conducive. Around here, the public land is not super conducive to flying along with. Yeah, it. and perm-
0: and permissions are a big part of
1: hunting in general in a lot of parts yeah. of the country because I
0: mean public public land is great. I'm a huge advocate for it. And yeah, I, I utilize it all the time. <laughs> but uh it's It's nice to have some uh, private access as well. And in like I said, in a lot of parts of the country, you simply don't have the public lands that you do in you know in, in certain states. right. So what are some of the things, Graham, that uh, you do to try and get permission on a, on a place and and finding like you know
1: a property that you want to utilize for you know whatever you're doing? So for scouting, um, I guess that's when it just becomes really important to be a student of your quarry, you know, Um, because like you can drive around randomly or you can understand a little bit about your quarry and um, that's going to help you narrow down the right places and the right times to look, you know, because um, like with Hungarian partridge, for example, if you don't have snow on the ground, Good luck spotting them out in the field, you know, because the weed stubble is mm, five, six inches tall. And when they're laying down in that, you aren't going to see them. Not without snow. Yeah. But you might catch them graveling, picking gravel, you know, right at dusk or just a little bit before. Um, And so driving around at the right times to see whatever you're looking for. I'd say most of the time it's going to be morning, evening especially with any kind of game bird. Yeah. You know, they're usually going to be loafing during the middle part of the day.
0: Same thing with, with ungulates, you know, deer and, yeah. and stuff too. Is uh, There are some exceptions, but pretty much anything you're hunting, you know, is what they call it, crepuscular. So, you know, your most
1: highest level of activity, you know, is going to be morning and evening. Yep. Um, understanding the habitat a little bit. um, like, for me, if, if you look it up, I can't remember what the exact number is, but it's basically, like, um, the best percentage of uh, grass-to-ag for prairie chickens is, like, 55 and 45%, 55% grass, 45% ag, um, or somewhere in that ballpark, slightly more grass than ag. So whenever I'm out scouting and I look around in an area um mm-hmm. a lot of times i'm just like yeah this seems like about the right proportion and if i sit somewhere in that area in the morning or the evening and you're watching the horizon yep there goes a flock of chickens you know yeah um and they're they're tough cuz they are very um elusive and you got to be in the right spot at the right time and looking in the right direction otherwise it's a wasteland out there and yeah. you got no idea they're there.
0: And the areas that they live in are vast. Uh, it's vast. Yeah. Yeah. And you I mean, you could be looking in an area that maybe they're there sometimes, but they're not there today. Uh-huh. And there's a whole big area because they're so mobile oh, that they're man. able to utilize they cover they, a lot of ground. They will fly miles sometimes between covers. Mm-hmm. And so it's like <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck finding them. Yeah. But that that is one thing I've been impressed with you on is that you've been able to find them and and string together enough of those permissions to uh, to have slips, you know, in, in in a part of the country where it's not really known for having that many of of that particular species. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um. without a without a dog too. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, and I've not... done a
1: good amount of hiking, just like walking, yeah. walking and walking and looking at the ground, finding poop droppings, finding forms where they've been laying down, loafing during the day, and sitting on ag fields and walking high spots. You know, they're not like pheasants where they're in the draws and the, mm-hmm. or even sharptails in that regard, um, or the cattails. You know, they're going to be up on the high spots um, on the ridges. Or on the slopes of the ridges. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So understanding about whatever it is you want to find, study them, and then you'll at least know roughly what to look for when you're driving down the road. Yeah. I know that's been a super
0: helpful tool for me. Have you utilized uh, like e-scouting, using uh, digital maps and stuff to do
1: some of your scout Uh, just on X, you know, but that's more about property lines and boundaries, um, as opposed to, uh, looking at areas. I mean, you, with some skill, you could definitely look at areas, um, to narrow down where you might want to search. Um, I've used it to find duck ponds quite a bit. Yeah. Because you'll find them that aren't visible from the road that way.
0: Right. And it's not always the most accurate thing as far as for finding ponds. But... It it is one of the tools that I utilize to start building out my network here of permissions because um, I, I live in Southwest Missouri and there's a lot of public ground around the lakes and stuff here, but, I mean, basically none that is really ideal for flying long wings and, and nor do I um, have the time to drive to those. Like, I need stuff that's within, you know, an hour or less, ideally a lot less of my house. So when I get off work, I load the bird up and I go, and I've got enough time to get her flown during the week before it gets dark, which, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'm able to, sometimes I'm not, especially in the dead of winter that gets pretty tough when there's not much daylight. But it uh, that, that's been a helpful tool for me, um, you know, for looking at an area and seeing like, you know, okay, what's public, what's private, what is here, you know, like, for example, to the east of this, uh, you know, the town that I live in, you start getting into more of like the Ozark, like what people think of where it starts to like be rolling more, hills and more big timber, yeah, and more rocky and less, uh, less open. But to the west, you know, it's like you start getting a little bit of row crop mixed in and bigger cattle pastures, less river bottoms, more plainsy type mm-hmm. stuff. And so, like, you know, just looking off of that, like, I have more permissions to the west of town than I do to the east, mm-hmm. although there's, like, a pocket uh, to the east that's really good and got some awesome slips. And so, you can drive through a little bit of the river bottom, you know, but get to, like, a little patch of uh you know open ground that has some ponds and stuff that are good but um especially like first starting out that was super helpful to be Mm -hmm. able to look around and go okay you know there's so many ponds or you know whatever in this area and so like Good to concentrate here, and here's a route that I can drive to. to I was check just going to say that you were talking about
1: daylight, and in terms yeah. of making the most use out of your time, it's good to have some kind of a plan plotted out before you just head off into the right. wilderness, you know? Right. Um, and I know when scouting for duck ponds, um, I locate them on the map. Mm-hmm. And put pins. Yes. And then, then when you zoom out, you can be like, "Oh, there's way more pins over here than over here." Okay, let's drive a route that's gonna cover all of those, and and see what we got. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, and then, as I find stuff, I either alter the pins, like have they're color coded, or the icon. I change the icon. Yes to like confirm that yes, there are ducks there, yes, there are chickens there or whatever. And um I might add a note of like twenty chickens flying southeast. You know, or
0: whatever. This this is gonna turn into a big commercial for Onyx, but yeah, that's that's one of the great things about that software is you can customize all those different things. Like I'll put, you know, a certain color for a piece that you know like I've got permission on or whatever. And when I was first starting out, I just mark a pin like, Hey, here's a duck slip. Mm -hmm. Don't have permission on it or whatever, but I know that there's one there. So when I'm out and like, okay, I went and flew, but I've got an hour left before I need to be home. I'm going to go and try and add to my permissions. And here's one that's right over here that I remember that I drove past or whatever looked on my map and saw that I drove past that and that there were ducks. And so let's go see if I can get permission on that. Now that I've got a little bit of time. Mm hmm. But, um, you can also take a picture and attach it to that pin. It's like you can have, yeah, and that'll a pin. help you, like, remember,
1: oh, wh- where was this, mm, you know, right, right? What did this look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, should we get into like the actual getting a permission part?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, so, it, so we talked about that a little bit today with Tucker. Um, yeah, especially with what we do in this part of the country, like you kind of got to have multiple permissions. And when I say multiple, I don't even know, like at least a dozen in this county that I, people that I utilize their property, which thank heavens that I've had success doing that. For you people out there who don't, um, don't fly big long wings or don't need a bunch of properties, you know, it's a little bit different thing. And a lot of times you're asking a little bit more like a single landowner mm-hmm. to um, like go out there and deer hunt or turkey hunt. Like you're going to be on their property. Can I drive my truck across this field? Right. Yeah. Can I go sit on your property for six hours, you yeah. know, a couple times a week or whatever? It's a, yeah. you know, it's a different utilization of that property with what we're doing. I'm in and out pretty quick. Like mm-hmm. drive past, are there ducks there? Aren't there ducks there?
1: Yes, yeah. there are. Put the bird up. Flush them, and I'm gone in 20 minutes at most. Right. Now, I will say though, but one thing about falconry that's a bit different than a lot of other kinds of hunting is, we we do a lot of looking and a lot of checking before we actually fly. And so, to someone who's just sitting there, like in their house, it's like, man, he's driving by every dang day. Yeah. And he is hunting, and they just assume that well, we must be hunting it because he asked me for permission. And I've had that happen where. Um, I've had landowners, you know, express concern that like I was hunting it too much and it was like, no, 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 I've hunted this like twice this year. I drive by cause I'm checking, but yeah. I don't, I don't hunt it that often.
0: Yeah. So that actually, um, in a state where I was, uh, down hunting, uh, utilizing some other people's permission, That exact thing, and some other people being in the area that were also utilizing that permission, led to that permission being revoked because Mm -hmm. seeing too many vehicles out and about, you know, not even on the property, but like adjacent to the property, Mm -hmm. upset the person enough where they said, "No, no, we're we're done. No more. Get get out of here. Don't come back."
1: Yeah, you gotta gotta be careful. I had a. I feel like we're getting we're into the like what kind of problems have you had with landowners part before we're even past the getting permissions part. But um, I had a guy one time, he was super nice, um, wanted me to come out and hunt the partridge on his property. He was super nice about it when I went and knocked on his door. And um, the thing about huns is fairly early in the spring they start to break up, the covey does, Mm -hmm. into pairs. Okay, and um, so I had been hunting it that winter, and I think I killed two out of like a twelve or fourteen uh bunch uh twelve or fourteen strong covey. Mm-hmm. So I had not killed that many, and I hadn't hunted them that much. But I checked it every time I went hawk, and I always checked that spot. And I don't think that he was privy to like the biology of huns, um, but. I remember him expressing concern towards the end of the falconry season. He was like, "Man, you're like, I, you just, you better be careful because I, I'm not seeing the Huns that much, and I, every time I see them, it's just two or three, you know, and, uh, it was like, I was torn between trying to like tell him that, no, I, I trust me, I'm not, I'm not killing all your Huns, like yeah. they're still here, they're just in pairs now." And, and as a general rule, I tried not to hunt pears. Um, or I could just be like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and just back off and let the area cool off for a while. Because if you do that, if you try to educate him, which you always run the risk of maybe he is educated and he just actually still thinks that you're messing things up. And, uh, and so in that case, he thinks that you think he's an idiot, And you're in hot water, or he just doesn't take kindly to being told how to manage the Huns on his own property. Right. Or, you know, he thinks that you're
0: being deceitful. Yeah. And just trying to like, no, man, like, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And just trying to explain yourself when, you know, or whatever, to explain
1: your way out of the situation and lie. Right. So in that case, um, I just backed off and just avoided that, that farm for the rest of the season. Yeah. And I actually ended up moving away from that area that later that spring. So I never got to see how it went, but I would be willing to bet if I went back there and asked again, I could get permission. No problem. Sure. So, yeah. So let's, uh,
0: each kind of walk through how we go about getting a permission. So if you're starting from scratch, it can be a little bit tougher. Um, but you gotta be afraid and not afraid to be told. no, Mm -hmm. when I when I have a piece of property that I like either has a pond on it or I'm like man I bet there's a giant buck in there or whatever I always try to be let's I'll just say I haven't asked for, for permission to deer hunt on very many places so or if any I don't even know um so I'll just say for falconry's sake because that's what I have the most experience doing you can definitely adapt these things to ask them for permission for any other thing. There'll just be a few caveats to that, that you're smart enough to figure out. I'm sure. So have a piece of property that's there. I try and have my bird with me if possible, uh, which means I don't typically do this in the summertime because they're molting. But uh, if, if they're molting, it's not imperative to have the bird there. It just kind of tends to help so that people don't think you're, lying to them or whatever. And they seem to appreciate being able to see the bird. I try and have on relatively clean clothes if I can, that are not torn, but not, you know, a three piece suit. You know, you don't want to look like a salesman or something walking up to the door. A lot of times in this part of the country, you're dealing with cattle farmers. So I usually have on a Carhartt jacket and jeans. Mm -hmm. Walk up to the door. I don't put my hands in my pockets. I don't. uh, I I try and look unassuming and unthreatening as possible. I am trying to hit it at a time of day when both members of a couple would be home. Mm -hmm. So, like after five p.m. typically, but not at dinner time. But not at dinner time. Between between like five and seven
1: is pretty good. Or on or on a weekend, anytime. Yeah, around me it's seems like 6 is dinner time gotcha like and I would not knock on a door at 6 personally but.
0: yeah it kind of depends if yeah. that's if that's all I, if that's when I'm there and I don't feel like yeah. I'm going to be there and it's like something that I kind of need to get permission on or could really use permission on then I'll do it you know whenever and this these are not hard and fast rules this is just try what I try and do and what I seem to have had the best luck and I'll explain kind of some of the pitfalls that I've fallen into that have led me to kind of come up with a system. When I knock on the door, if there's a doorbell, great use that. If there's not, I always knock really clear and probably five or six knocks like good. So make sure that somebody can hear me. And then I step well away from the door so that in case it's somebody by themselves, they don't feel threatened. Like I'm getting ready to come through their door. And then I start by introducing myself. Uh, if you're from that area, it really helps to say, Hey, I'm from this small town that is that you live on the outskirts of or whatever. And, um, with falconry, you know, I'm I'm telling them what I'm going to be there and set the proper expectations of uh, once they start to seem receptive to it, that, Hey, you know, I'd like to come out here every so often. Um, if you need to let, if I need to let you know when I'm going to be coming and going, that's fine. Uh, I'm usually in and out. I've been around cattle before. It's not a problem in this part of the country. That's that's a big fear for people. Yeah, is like, don't mess with my cows. Getting their cows stirred up, yeah. tearing up their fences, mm-hmm. um, leaving a gate open. So those are all three things that I directly address. I will say, hey, just so you know, I've I've been around cows and. I won't go in there and get, in, get them stirred up or anything. I probably won't ever even go into the field if there are cows in it. Uh, I won't tear up your fences or anything. I usually go under rather than over, and I will make sure that any gate that I go through, if it's closed when I go through, it will be closed
1: whenever I leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I, I will immediately close it. I've had that win me i had that win me a permission recently actually really yeah it was a just a phone conversation got the guy's number and he was like oh you're probably wanting to go out there where i got my cows aren't you because you know it's chickens in the grass mm-hmm. and i was like yep and i'm like farm savvy like i know to if the gates open leave it open if it's shut leave it shut you know blah 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 and he was like oh all right yeah go for it man nice you know so yeah Just showing that you have a little bit of common sense will go a long ways with those people. Yeah.
0: And so another few other things, if you're not starting from scratch and you already have some existing permissions around, especially on neighboring properties, don't be afraid to bring that up. Say, hey, so-and-so down the street lets me come out there. Um, You know, I saw that there were some ducks on your pond or some pheasants down in that draw or whatever. Would you mind if I, you know, A, B, C, D, whatever you're out there trying to do and by doing that you typically show the person in my experience that hey i know joe blow across the street if he lets him come out here then he must be a decent guy Mm -hmm. any kind of connection that you can make with that person whether it be like you know somebody else with the last name in town Mm -hmm. hey are you related to so-and-so you know i Mm -hmm. I noticed you had the same last name or whatever yeah uh you know you might you might just make that connection and uh, show that you're not just some some nobody from out of town that's coming in to, uh, you know, leave trash all over the place or whatever that they don't want having happen. Mm-hmm. And in, like I said, in my experience, you kind of follow those things and you have pretty good luck with people. Yeah. Uh, of getting those permissions, I've been like I said, I've been really fortunate here, and I've got a, a really great network of landowners that let me come out. And I mean, it's it's made falconry with big long wings here possible because otherwise, there's no way that I could do it without these people. Mm-hmm. So, it, Graham, you want to
1: walk through kind of anything um, that you do differently? So I'd say the general scheme is pretty similar. But I might just, I can tell you some little wording tricks. Yeah, so I started doing some of this stuff that that we had talked about in the past, and I feel like it was it was helpful. So yeah, that would definitely be good for you to cover. So, um, I like you, I go up, I like to have the bird with me. Sometimes I've taken him up to the door, sometimes not. It just kind of depends. You know, some people, like, it's, it's funny. Uh, it seems like younger males that I've tried to get permission from, I get one of two reactions from them when I bring a bird up. They're either, like, super excited about it. They're like, I want to come watch. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard of. Or they're like, I'm not impressed. Yeah. You know, and they're like, they just kind of poo-poo it. And, you know, and I don't know why, but it just seems like, I don't know, males between the age of 30 late twenties to early forties or maybe late thirties. Uh, I get one of two reactions. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Um,
0: Uh, I brought up my bird to, uh, a porch one time and was trying to get permission. And the person was clearly home. As I, as I stepped away, I heard. (laughs) So I thought, Oh great. The door's getting ready to open. No, it was the, Woman had walked up to the door and locked it, <laughs> and then walked back away from the door.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, you know, you look pretty weird. I. But I also I when don't, you tell I didn't people, blame her a bit. If I, if a guy like me walked up to the door, I would probably <laughs> lock the door too. Um. But when you, you know, when you tell people, you want to have some kind of way of showing them that you are sincere and right. that no, really, I do have a bird and I hunt with it. You know, right. um. So, yeah, uh, I like to bring the bird. Maybe bring it on the porch, maybe not. It just kind of depends. If there's a kid, definitely bring the bird. Yeah, hundred percent. So what I what I
0: like to do with with that is, um, I leave the bird in the truck, mm-hmm. and then as I ask, I will say, "I've actually got the bird with me. Do you want to see her?" Mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of times before I even get the yes or no, and so they know, like, okay, he's being genuine, and then you bring the the bird up, and they're like, this, you know, most of the time they're like, yeah, that's that's awesome. I have had a few people that are like, nah, that's okay. I've seen a bunch of them before.
1: I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No problem.
1: Yeah. um So, yeah, when there's kids, I like to you know, offer to let them hold the burr or touch it or whatever. Yeah. See it at least. Um and that always seems pretty pretty popular. Um and then in terms of, of wording, so uh like you said, I like to, you know, try to come across as unassuming, you know. Um and uh you know, like let's say there's a pond out back, you know, behind the house or whatever and I'll be like I'll ask um you know, I saw some ducks on the pond over there um and I was wondering do you, do you guys own that? And you yeah. know, if they're like yeah. yes or no. And then um then I'll ask and the way that I like to word it, I don't sometimes I don't know why, but some people think that with a falcon it's like too easy or uh like you're just going to kill them all. And so a lot of times what I like to say is I have a young falcon, which is always the case um because they're usually I mean I've never had one longer than 4 years old. So I have a young falcon that I'm training and there's some ducks back there and I was wondering if it would be okay if I could let her chase the ducks. Yeah. Maybe she'll kill one, maybe she won't. But the main thing is that I wanted to chase them yeah and so I,
0: usually i will end it at what, Is it okay if i let her chase the ducks or whatever i mm-hmm. don't and if they ask well is she gonna catch them i'll say yeah sometimes she might but a lot of times they get away which is yeah. not was not wrong it's true yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have a really good bird i mean yeah mm-hmm. maybe every time you flush ducks under they're gonna kill one yeah that's
1: it's not where i'm at in life so <laughs> yeah but um yeah that's how i like to word it and um you know, they seem to uh, respond to that pretty well. I did have one lady that kind of told me off. Um, just, she said that, you know, it was way too easy. The bird did all the work. And <laughs> and I was like, ma'am, I have killed seven huns this year. Yeah. You know what the bag limit in a day is for a shotgun? Yeah. Six. Yeah. And it's taken me three months to get seven or whatever it was. I don't remember. It's It's so interesting that people kind of glob onto that little
0: detail Mm -hmm. because I've had other people like, Oh man, I bet you like just catch a lot of stuff, which I mean, don't get me wrong. There are Falconers that, you know, really do catch a lot of stuff, which is great. Uh, not many of them are long wingers. Yeah. (laughs) And, and yeah, it's a small percentage that are even able to do that. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, I catch some stuff, but if I was, had a shotgun with me a lot of the time, I would kill a lot more stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it's not it's it's not a uh grocery getting endeavor a lot of the time. Not to mm-hmm. say that you can't fill a freezer doing it cuz you yeah. definitely can. Right. But it's I'm a lot more effective with a scattergun than I am with a falcon. Yeah. At at bringing stuff to the truck.
1: Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of anything else. Like wording wise and stuff. Um like I said, I think it's good to to appear clean cut as, yeah. as best you can, you know, because a lot of times you are going to be dealing with boomer age or older right. landowners, you yeah. know. Um, so, clean clothes, you know, um, is a is a plus. Um, you can definitely still pull it off with a beard because I've had a beard for the last several years. Um, Face tattoos might slow you down a little bit. M- maybe, you know, <laughs> especially, I like you said, with that older generation, they might be like, you, I don't know. Uh, I I don't
0: have any tattoos, but I've heard of people talking about, like, how people treat them here, yeah. you know, with them, and I, I could definitely see that with, you know, quote-unquote good old boys in the back country at, you know, just trying to keep their herd alive, mm-hmm. having trouble, uh, you know, letting somebody that they don't identify with, you know, yeah. very very much, mm-hmm. um,
1: letting them come out there and and do their thing. Yeah. Um, some strategies that I've heard of other people using that they've said were very effective. One of which, and I've heard this multiple times. Tucker mentioned it again tonight. Was having a business card. Yeah. Um, with your name and or picture on it, and uh it's good to mention that you're affiliated on the. You know, you might not want to say it out loud because it might seem like bragging, but putting it on your card that you're a member of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever and Ducks Unlimited or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then with your um phone number, email, and then maybe even uh about like identifying your truck that it's a pink silverado or whatever right so i i usually try and tell
0: people what two vehicles that i might be driving it's usually i'm in my truck but every once in a
1: while i uh, bomb around in my wife's car but or just you know you can be like this is my truck it's right out here right, right. this right. is so what they, i'll be in so they know yeah
0: to expect who's coming and going and then if uh cause i don't do the business card thing But especially if it's like a younger, you know, under 50 person, I will try and get their contact information, Mm -hmm. get their name and phone number. And then I usually text them with my name and just put Falconer next to it. And I'll say, hey, I just texted you uh, my contact information. If you ever need anything or have any questions, that's me. Mm -hmm. Don't hesitate to let me know. Yeah. And so that way they feel like okay, at least like if something goes wrong or I don't like something or whatever, I don't have to try and run out there and catch them yeah. in the act. Like they, at least you've given them the opportunity to save you in their phone, mm-hmm. and uh, you know so they can track you down if if they need something or right. whatever. And I haven't had anybody really take me up on that um, very often. I don't think, but uh, it's it's a good courtesy. Yeah. To like hey, I'm not just some transient person that's gonna you know be the puff of smoke whenever mm-hmm. you know something goes wrong that yeah. you
1: that you can't track me down um i always invite them to come watch too. yes that's, that's another, another thing. thing yeah um yeah and honestly i don't get taken up on that very often a lot of times they're mildly amused or well that's really cool i'd love to see it sometime but yeah most people uh, ra- rarely have I had them actually come out and see it. Yeah, um, I've I've had a few. Yeah, uh, not very many. Um, yeah.
0: Uh. And it can be it can be intimidating for people that have, you know, not done this much or you know don't come from a hunting background. Uh, to that, I would just say. It's just like anything worth doing in life, you know. It is a little bit nerve wracking at first. I, especially like when I first moved down here, not knowing anybody. Like, I, there were plenty of places where I was like, "Man, I there, there's turkeys over there. I should go and knock on that door or whatever," and just would psych myself out about doing it. Yeah, like, I don't do want to like. Thing. It gets like really nerve wracking, but because I've done it so much now with the falconry thing, I don't mind going and knocking on some door. What's the worst thing somebody's going to do? Say no. Say no most of the time. I mean, it's not to say it couldn't go. (laughs) I've had not
1: answer the door with a gun in hand, but I've had, uh, farmers in Nebraska invite me in. And then, you know, I sit down at their kitchen table to talk about their time in the war or whatever. A lot of times they're just lonely old guys, but, uh, I, I've gone in and like there was a freaking revolver right next to the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I mean, most of the time, people are at the very least cordial. Yeah, and they're not gonna most of the time slam the door in your face. They'll probably no, no I don't think so, or whatever. Uh, and you know, might leave a bad taste in your mouth. But that's that's part of it. It's being told no sometimes. You know, yeah, it's, it's somebody's property, and you need to be respectful of that, and recognize that. They are under zero obligation to let you do what you're trying to do out there.
1: Yeah, and so, and you never know when if you're pleasant back, you know, if you're like, oh, I totally understand, thank you for your time, and you peace out. Yeah, and then, you know, next year, you either bump into them at some social event or whatever. Yeah, like just because they close the the door isn't open when you first ask doesn't mean it can't open in the future.
0: Yeah, I tend to not keep asking, mm. um, about those things, but it's not to say that you
1: couldn't go back next year and say, Hey, you know, what? whatever. And yeah. ask, ask the same question. Well, especially, uh, but I mean, like in smaller communities, maybe the more they got to know you, they'd be like, Oh, he's an all right, dude. Yeah. Like and he, so yeah.
0: it's, it's gotten easier for me. Like I've had a couple of permissions that I've added this year that people have been like, Oh, you're so and so. I heard about you from you know from you this other person that I have permission on, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, that's fine. Go out there." Mm-hmm. I've uh, two different places that I've asked this year, so that's where when you get permissions, it's not just about getting permission; it's also about maintaining those permissions. Yeah, and so that's where setting those proper expectations from the jump of how much you're going to be out there. So I've had some people that I I wasn't really good about doing this initially. Like I'd ask and they'd be like, well, are you going to be out here all the time? I'm like, okay. Like now I got to explain myself. Yes. Like if it's okay with you, I'd like to come out here from time to time. I'll drive by and check and see if there's ponds or, or if there's ducks on the pond or whatever. And, uh, you know, fly them when they're here, but it won't be all the time. Whenever I'm out here, it'll just be, you know, at most probably once or twice a week that I'll be coming by or whatever and and to set those proper expectations. And I've had some people go, eh, I don't know yeah. about that, but it's way better to like be upfront about what you are going to be out there doing than have somebody come out there after a month of fuming in their house to finally get worked up enough to come out and go, what are you doing? I told you you could come out here one time mm-hmm. and you keep coming out. Yeah. And... So like like I said like it's a, it's about maintaining those relationships is a big part of it and, and cultivating those. So one of the things that I do especially for the properties that I utilize a lot, like a training field, where during the first part of the season I'm there daily a lot of the time, I will give something to that person. Like I uh, most of the time, like I'll bake cookies or my wife will bake cookies uh, around Christmas time or whatever, and I'll just bring them you know, whatever, something, a gas card, you know, Omaha steak box or, uh, you know, whatever, some little treat and just give it to them and say, Hey, this is just for letting me come out here. I really appreciate it. It really means a lot to me that you let me come out here Mm -hmm. and, and, and do this. And that goes a long way to not just getting permission for the year, but especially if you're going to set down roots in a place Mm -hmm. of keeping that permission long-term and building that reputation for yourself in the area of a good guy, so when, uh, you know, you go and ask on the neighbor, or maybe you shoot a deer and then you've got to go uh, track, it. track it onto the neighbor or whatever. Mm-hmm. That person that you have permission on, that you know, in most of the time you're, you know, asking to only take and mm-hmm. not give anything back, right? Is going to vouch for you and say, yeah, yeah, hey, he's a good guy. You know, if you don't mind, let him come out there or whatever. If you offer to let him call the landowner, but another um, way to kind of get your foot in the door that I've utilized some and would probably be really good for guys that are trying to get, uh, get permission to deer hunt or do something that's a little bit uh, more imposing is offer to like be a farmhand for a day or, Hey, if you ever, usually how I word it is it's after the fact of like that they've said yes or like that they seem like they're going that way. I will say, Hey, if you ever need help with anything, fix an offense, you know, whatever that may be around here, and you need an extra set of hands, here is my contact information. And that's usually when I give it to them and say, Just give me a call. I live in town and I can be out here to help you because I really appreciate you coming out here and I recognize you didn't have to do that. And so I'd like to earn my keep if, if you need an extra set of hands and people seem to be really appreciative of that. Never been taken up on it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, think about it. If somebody was coming into your house and wanted you to give them something, you know, you might be nice enough to let them take it, but man, it's going to be way more palatable if they're at the very least like, Hey man, you know, let me, let me compensate you for that. Even if you, even if they're not, you're not going to, except that compensation,
1: the fact that they offered goes a long way. Right. Um, you know, something I thought of, you know, how you were talking about uh, going at a time when both members of the couple are at home. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to places and um, the, wife has answered the door and like, I'm not knocking these ladies or anything, but just in terms of effectiveness, I've had them be, you know, just kind of like here, let me just take your number and get you out of here, uh, to being really excited and enthusiastic and wanting my phone number to talk to their husband first. and, And then, uh, have them call me and I have never once gotten a call back like, yeah, I, my wife told me that you could, you know, you were wanting to come out here. Not once. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of part of the
0: male psyche, the male ego that well, I think yeah. ties into a little bit of like guys not being impressed. It's yeah. like, I <laughs> mean, we're, I we're kind of I'm hardwired not, for competition. I don't mean to make any kind
1: of commentary on it. I just am saying as far it's as it, good if both of them are there. Right. Yeah, And, in my experience
0: i've had um the the nose that I've had have been when I have gone at a time when it's just the wife, and you can just uh, like tell that a lot of the time they are incredibly uncomfortable based off of their body language mm. and you, like you can assume like they're probably at home by themselves if they're answering their door by themselves at noon on a Friday or whatever you know imagine if you had some stranger walking up to the door, you yeah. know, and, and you're at home by yourself and you know, they're physically bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Like that would be very intimidating. Yeah, And so I try and avoid one, putting people in that situation and to, um, you know, limiting my effectiveness because it, I mean, like I said, in my experience, it has uh, been a detriment to try and, and do it at those times when, uh, you're more likely to run into somebody
1: at home by themselves. I feel like we covered a good amount of stuff. Yeah, you know the ins and outs and getting and maintaining and some problems you might run into. You know. Yeah. Do you have any horror stories? Uh, no. I mean, the worst was was the landowner that was like, you know, I feel like you're killing all my huns. Yeah. Um, but, uh. One thing that you want to mention is you know with falconry, especially long wings, you need your truck a lot, yeah to like get to a spot or whatever and um so it's good to find out what the parameters are for driving a truck on the land, yeah, because depending on what kind of crop it is and or what kind of land it is and or you know rain is it muddy whatever um a lot of times the landowners are going to be particular about, or they'll be either particular or they won't care at all. And if they're particular, you don't want to cross them in that regard. Um, And uh, so it's good to find that out. And you got to be, that's another one that I don't really have a great system for it, but you got to be kind of delicate because if you're like, can I drive on it? Just kind of bluntly like that, I've had them kind of be like, kind of backpedal, you know, uh, in terms of the permission. Sure. Um, but if you are more, well, like you said, unassuming and like, you know, is it a problem to drive like on, on this crop because I don't want to mess up your, you know, this or that, um, then they're like, oh, okay, well, this guy at least is trying to do the right thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and they may say, well, yeah, you can drive on the pasture, but don't drive on my wheat or whatever, you know. Right. So... You wanna find that information out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I don't
0: really have any horror stories. I've definitely run into a few issues. I had a permission in college that uh, uh for for hunting geese that the, one of the neighbors complained about shot raining down on their house, which I don't think was at all accurate or possible based off of how far the house was away from where we were at but I did get a call from the landowner saying like hey or no 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 so every year I would call and get permission on this place and one year I called to make sure that it was okay and he goes yeah but uh, my neighbor said you know that this happened so please be careful type of thing or it's like man that that could have gone yeah really have you ever sour. had
1: permission revoked
0: no, uh, that particular place I had trouble getting a hold of the guy. Okay. Um, later on. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But yeah, actually, just secured permission on it not too long ago again. So.
1: Like this year. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you did get a hold of him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I stopped at his house. There you go. <laughs> Um, uh, super nice family and uh, yeah, great people. Um, so I got I got one more subtopic that we could hit before we wrap this up. Okay, so um, so how do you handle your friends? That yes. So this is this is, this is why you're here, Graham, <laughs> <laughs>
0: earning your keep. Yeah. Um. So yes. So this is a great thing that dovetails into permissions and it it can be a huge problem for people. So for stuff like what I'm doing, I'm, you know, there's nobody else around that's going to use these places. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nobody close enough here that, you know, I have to worry about kind of cutting in on my permission. So here I don't care that much. I will take people out and I don't really go over like, Hey, don't let me catch you out here Mm -hmm. without me here type of thing. Right. But that is not the case on one public land. Yeah. And two, um, in other parts of the country where you're flying stuff like prairie chickens, where the slips are hard earned and fewer and farther between. Uh huh so what i typically do is if i have somebody that's coming out on a piece of public land or a piece of property that i think that they might try and utilize or undercut i just have a simple conversation with them that hey look this is a place we'll just say for private like this is a place where i have permission on that i have worked really hard to maintain this with like i'm going to show it to you like and if you want to come out here sometime just let me know and i will come out here together or whatever Public land can be a little bit more tricky because you don't own deed to that. Uh, you know, everybody owns deed to that land, and so it uh, it's trickier. It's like if I took if I took somebody out, you know, and showed them a spot on public, and then the next week I went out there and they were there. Mm-hmm. Like, man, that would sure. Upset me Because like you wouldn't have known about that If it wasn't for me Mm -hmm. But at the same time Like do you really have much of a leg To stand on for being upset Because it's a piece of public land Yeah But Courtesy Yeah Kind of states At at least in my Book That I would at least So say you Graham Showed me a piece of public ground And Mm -hmm. like turkey hunting or whatever And there was a really awesome spot and you couldn't hunt with me the next day. I would at the very least send you a text or a call and say, hey, I'm thinking about going back to that spot. Would that be okay with you? At least nod like tip of the hat, like, hey, you showed me this. I wouldn't have known that it would have existed without you. Maybe I would have stumbled across it sometime. But at least like acknowledge like, hey, this is... Uh, thank you for showing it to me or whatever and and is it okay with you if I go back out there yeah Uh, there have been like there have definitely been some spots that I've taken people to where I have a talk with them say look like I'm gonna show you this and this is going to be an awesome spot please do not come out here without me Mm -hmm. like it's a limited resource and uh like, I don't have a problem with you coming out here and, and sharing this with you, but I don't want it used up, and it took, like, it was hard work for me to to find this and, and you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I guess with with that kind of stuff, with private, you have, you know a little bit of clout because you have permission and they don't. Yeah. Usually. Um, And then I would say if you both have permission, then it kind of becomes about the same as public, you know? Yeah. Um, With a, you hope, a uh, common understanding that whoever found the place or showed the other person the place um has a little bit more of a claim to the spot yeah well it's um, it's kind of the, the way i kind of
0: look at it is like the golden rule do unto others as you would have done unto yourself yeah don't like if, if you had this bitchin spot that like was awesome yeah and you like you're happy to share it with somebody. If they showed up out there, like you'd be upset. So don't do that to somebody else. Don't right. just just go out there and, and utilize somebody else's spot without at least having a conversation with the person and, and making sure that it's okay. If you want to, you know, burn your bridges and, and treat other people that way, don't be surprised whenever they do that kind of stuff back to you.
1: Yeah. Um I,
0: I have heard some horror stories about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, friendship ending stuff. I've heard of other people trying to work other people out of permissions. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, man, it's just there's plenty to go around. Yeah. And yeah, some spots can be a really hard one and you, you might have a diamond in the rough where it's like, man, this there's nothing like this one, you know, spot for a long ways. Mm-hmm. Away, so don't ruin it for everybody by making it no fun for anybody else to be out there because you've you know kind of tainted the waters with bad behavior
1: yeah, so then, how do you handle um, when when you bring other people onto your permissions as far as the landowner is concerned like is it okay to bring my friends here? Because that's always risky, you know? Because then they're like, first it was just you. Now your friends too, you know?
0: Yeah, I try and avoid doing that unless it's somebody that um, I have a good relationship with. Yeah. Or it's like, it's, I mean, like I say, you are asking somebody to share something that they have paid their hard earned money. And, you know, blood, sweat, and tears building a lot of the time. And and you're doing it for nothing. <laughs> like, it's not like you're going... I mean, the, if you've got the means to lease a place, you know, great, more power to you. Most people don't. And so I, I try to not ask too much of them. Yeah. Now, I might say, like, hey, I will have my buddy out here with me. Mm-hmm. And that's different where it's like, okay, I am out here hunting... Yeah, you know, or like he, I am with him and we are flying his bird or whatever, Where mm-hmm. it's like, and, and because of the network that I have, I don't fly multiple, like the same slip very often, you know, back to back days. Yeah. So I, I, I try and spread the pressure around a fair bit. Yeah. It's like if I've got one more person down here and they're like, yeah, like I want to fly or whatever, it's not a big deal for me to go. Yeah. Like let's go fly your bird. Like, you know, it's just gonna be the two of us or whatever, and there's there's plenty to go around. But you know, if you're out there deer hunting and you're like, hey, can I let somebody else come out here and also deer hunt when I'm not gonna be there? Like, yeah, you might be able to, you know, maybe you get can. somebody to let you do that. But that's yeah. that's a little bit bigger ask, right? But like, if you were like, hey, I'm gonna be out here, my buddy's gonna come film, mm-hmm. like. It'd probably be a good thing to let them know, like, hey, there's going to be two people out here that we're not... There's not two people hunting or whatever. I haven't given somebody else permission on your property. He's coming along
1: with me and not bringing a weapon. Right. I try to... I mean, just my personal philosophy is kind of like... I treat the... It's pretty... um, you gotta be fairly special for me to share like one of my spots with you. You know, it'd be like, yes, come fly my chicken slip or whatever. Yeah. Um but I try to treat it as if I I wouldn't I wouldn't impose on a landowner unless the person is an extension of myself. If that makes y- sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like this is my very best friend. He is out here with me in my truck. On this property, you yeah. know, like we are, he's out here with me together and maybe we're flying my bird or his bird, but it's not like, Hey, I'm going to drive out here and he's going to bring his truck too. Yeah. And he's going to drive across your property and you're not going to have any clue who he is or whose truck that is. You know, that's something you got to discuss with them beforehand. Right. Um, And, and it, then it same can thing be like problem. with my girlfriend. It's like, she's with, she's an extension of me. Right. So. I don't feel that bad about it or like the need to secure that as permission.
0: Yeah. And that's, you kind of got to be careful too about like there's this balance, right? Like, and you uh, got to get your land. You can, your you can talk, you're right. You can talk yourself out of being told yes. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time, like is it the salesman uh, trick or, you know, whatever saying it's like, when they say yes, Like, stop. Yeah. Because so many people, like, you get told yes, and then you keep going and you keep going and you, you you give a mouse a cookie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so when they tell you yes, like, you know, do your due diligence to set the proper expectations. You know, don't just say, you know, hey, can I come out here today? Get Mm -hmm. the yes and then be out there every single day or whatever. Right. You know, be honest. But don't, you know, talk the person out of, you coming out there because you don't need to give every single detail of what you're doing and you don't need to say like, Hey, maybe in six months from now or whatever, I'm going to have somebody else in my pickup truck with me. Right. Would that that be okay? Yeah. Like you like, you know, it's better to ask permission, you know, here, but, sometimes you need to just like okay know what you can get away with as far as asking for forgiveness if it does become an issue mm-hmm. so like i said yeah that's where where gauging your landowner is really important and like little things like multiple trucks going out to a field can be a huge problem for some people mm-hmm. like like what is going on why are there two trucks i said one one person could come out here he is flying a falcon you know or maybe he's got a couple falcons why are there multiple vehicles what's going on mhm for for some people they may not you could bring 12 trucks out there and they don't care right but yeah you you do have to be be careful
1: about those kinds of yeah. things uh i just thought of one i don't this isn't my horror story but my friend steven told me about it and he had permission on a place uh, for goose hunting. And like. Let's see. It was like. He had permission. On a place to hunt geese. And this guy. That he met. Or was sort of friends with. Asked if he could come hunt geese with him. And he was like yeah sure. And then he asked. If he could bring one of his friends. uh, So a third person. And he was like. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Guy shows up, and he's got, like, eight people with him.
0: Good it was, like, crazy.
1: two full trucks full of people to hunt this one goose spot. And Stephen was like, what the hell, man? Like, I said you could bring this one friend. Like, what what in God's name made you think that it is okay to show up at somebody else's permission with a truck full of your friends. Crazy. Waterfowl hunters can be that way
0: sometimes too, though. It's like you, you get a, a a hot spot, and it's like everybody and their brother wants to be on the X that day. So yeah, yeah, it, it's I, definitely I, more. Of, it's the, it's like person. the
1: good and the bad of it is that it's a communal. It's more of a community sport. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's one of the things that I ran into a little bit
0: this year. Is um, and this is a tricky thing that I have yet to address. So maybe we'll cover it in a future episode if I do figure it out. But so my training field, which I rely on pretty heavily, especially early in the year, uh, had a bunch of geese and ducks using it um, when everything froze up. So like all my ponds are frozen. I got nothing else to fly, but I've got a field that mallards are hitting. Uh, consistently and regular duck season is closed, but because I'm a falconer, I have an extended duck season. And it's like one day I, I put the falcon up, she goes in and whacks something on the ground. And I start heading over there. I'm like, Oh great. And just over the rise where I couldn't see is a blind and decoys. And then they start shooting geese because conservation season is open for snow geese here. And very rarely do we even get snow geese down here. Anyway, long story short, bird was fine. She ended up whacking a wounded goose, and and wasn't shot, which is what I had feared. But uh, there were there are multiple other parties that have been given permission on this field now, because the guy's an Iceland owner and doesn't mind people coming out there and shooting the geese. And so now it's like not just about managing the relationship between me and the landowner, but it's me and these two other groups of guys that are out there hunting, which turned out to be, you know, really nice guys. And, um, ended up doing a little bit of goose hunting with them myself, but like how, so when you have other people that are utilizing the property that are, you know, at a, at a detriment to what you're trying to do, like, you know, I'm, trying to keep the ducks in the field as much as I can. Like, you know, I want to flush them just enough where the bird catches them so they don't leave, you know, for so I've got them there for tomorrow because, you know, the ponds are going to be frozen up for the next week or whatever. And, and, then you know, then somebody goes out the next morning and, uh, you know, goes out and shoots a bunch of snow geese and, and scares everything out, so... I don't know how that works is like having that conversation with the landowner of, Hey man, can I be the only one that comes out here or, you know, or put me in contact with these other people so that we can at least coordinate and not, uh, not overhunt the field and, and blow everything out. But yeah, it's, it can be a tricky thing, but there are, if, if you put your mind to it, you can, uh, you can build out a network of places for you to to go and uh, chase wild critters. Yeah. Graham's over here falling asleep.
1: fast, man. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah. Well, I hope that. Are you ready to wrap this up? Yes. I hope that that was um, helpful for that listener that emailed us, and for anybody else that hears this. I know we're definitely no experts, but we have learned some things and seen some things in our experience, Yeah, learned what works and what doesn't for us. So I hope you can take this and uh, apply it to your own hunting practices. And if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for your uh, from your own playbook on how you guys get your permissions um, that you're willing to share with us, put them in the comments on the post and we will share them in our next episode. Yeah. We
0: really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this podcast and and all the support that we've gotten. If you would do us a favor, it goes a really long way. If you can like comment, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And if you really enjoyed it, share it with a friend that that word of mouth goes, goes a long way. And we, We do this for you guys. So we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And as always, happy hawking.